Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Can we just stand for a wee minute? And um, why don't we just stretch? Why don't we face this wall for a wee minute and just lean out and take hold of the two muscles in the neck and the front, uh, person in front of you? And just get them loosened up a little bit. One, two. Give the little neck a squeeze. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, let's turn around and face this wall. Oh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, let's applaud the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's applaud the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. Well, we've got some great news. We've got, I believe we have um, a Brazilian mother in the house. Bring your mom down here. Come down. Uh, Bring the whole family, bring the whole family. Come on, let's stand, let's stand, come on. Yeah. Raphael, this is true. In honor of this historical moment, in honor of this historical moment, I honestly had a handful of Brazil nuts on the way down in the car this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Mixed with some sultanas. I just thought, get in the, get in the zone. But uh, we want mom, and your sister's name is? Melissa. Melissa. Are you, you, you and dad are the only two who speak English, is that correct? Yeah, uh, uh, one and a half. One and a half. <laughs> so, so, so which half of your dad speaks English, the left half or the right half? One and a half, that's a good one. Eh? Well, look, it's a wonderful. We want mum to feel welcome and your sister to be welcome. So long, big, big, you see in the televisions, people are moving, moving, moving from different nations. And this is one part of that. And I just want us to stand together and reach out and ask the blessing of God on this family together. Father God, we give thanks for Melissa. We give thanks for Sydney and Raphael, my mom. And we just welcome them with the love of Jesus. And uh, mom said that, you know, the Scottish people have been warm and stuff. But we pray it will get even warmer. That she will instantly feel that she's with the family of God with the love of God. And I just pray that every mountain in front of them and every obstacle in their way would be melted and that you would bless them with intimate love with you, Jesus, with one another, and that the favor and blessing of God would be upon them. You'd pour into their hearts and lives all the resources they need and use them for your glory in your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. I want to say uh, thank you for the church and say God bless you guys and obrigada thank you very much for every everything for all the how is carinho in Portuguese for which other word and for the love of you guys and for the care for our family e por nos receber, and for welcome us 
eu, eu pude ver a importância uh, da família, do quanto devemos honrar. I can see the importance of the family in here and how we have to honor the, our family. Uh, o quanto devemos amar nossos love maridos, esposas e os nossos filhos. A, a, a tristeza que eu sentia pela ausência deles. And, uh, the for my, my, e esse momento... Uh, for, for me be far away. <laughs> é, então, para mim, esse tempo está sendo muito especial. So time is being very for her. Eu quero agradecer And muito a Deus I want to thank you so much, Lord, por esse momento. For this moment. So, Rafael, obrigado, is it obrigada or obrigado? Obrigado. Okay, uh, that's what I was wanted to clarify that one. <laughs> But what does it mean? Thank, thank you. Pardon? Thank you. Hey, there we go. That's a good one for you guys. Have a good day, guys. God bless you. Thank you. Obrigado. Yeah, I'm going to use. I'm going to milk that one, guys. There we go. Okay, how many heard the Incubators Part 1 last week? How many were here last week? You heard? I'm going to do Incubators Part 2 this week. And uh, there's one incubator I didn't touch on. I said last week, just to bring you up to speed, that our frustrations are God's incubators. Our frustrations are God's secret agents. Our frustrations are God's seasons of transformation where he works deeply in our life. But there's one incubator I want to talk about today that I didn't touch on last week. It is God's ultimate incubator. This is the one that splits every stormy sea you face. This is the one that sends every mountain you face into the sea. This is the one that unlocks God's favor in your life. It is God's ultimate incubator. You can put a, see if you can guess the name of it as we walk through this. But I just want to encourage you that, you know, mom was very honest there from Brazil about the challenges they've faced to get here today. But I want to encourage everybody right at the start, no matter how crushing your frustration season may be at this moment, God has in his word an ultimate incubator to dynamite Every difficulty, turn every ounce of darkness into night, morning into dancing, and frustration into glorious favor. I want to begin just explaining a principle, uh, God's principle of environment, to lay the foundation for this word. It, in Genesis 1, chapter 1, we're going to begin reading. And uh, we're going we're gonna to have a, we're going to fly from Genesis 3 today through to Revelation 3, but I'm touching on Genesis 1 right now. And we're going to look at, uh, we're going to look at the principle of environment. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and dark and empty. It was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light. Raphael, I'll try to go a little bit slower so you can do that obrigada for your mom. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. 
There was evening and there was morning. And God said in verse 6, let there be a vault between the waters. Separate the water from the water. So God made the vault and he separated the water under the vault. And it was so. And God called the vault sky. And it was evening, it was morning the second day. And through this whole, this whole passage, we can see before God takes a creature, first he prepares the environment. He prepares the environment. And we, he makes it clear. He said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, uh, with seed in it according to various kinds, and it was so. And the land produced the vegetation. And he said, let there be lights in the vaults of the sky. And he begins to, he walks through here. In verse 20, he now talking about the creatures that are teeming in the waters. And what I love here is that God has a perfect, perfect environment for everything he created. But before he creates that thing, he first puts the environment in place. And malfunction takes place when you swap one creature from the environment of perfection he made for it and put it in another. So when you take a fish and put it in the sky, or when you take a bird and put it in the sea, that's when malfunction begins. And man was functioning perfectly in his environment in the Garden of Eden because before he created anything, he made the environment perfect. This begs the question, if he made the earth for the plants, the sky for the birds, and the, the, water, for the, the, the water for the fish, what was the environment he made for man? I'm calling that environment today his perfect environment, God's incubator. Let's turn it to verse 26. It says, then God says, let us, he's talking to himself, by the way. Nothing wrong with talking to yourself. He says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish, the birds, and the sea, over the livestock, over the wild animals, and over the creature. And so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and field, he created them. And God blessed them and said, and God blessed and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. In essence, the environment he made for the fish was the water. The environment he made for man was God himself was God's presence. Have you ever thought about when it says that God walked in the garden with man? God wasn't physical. He was spiritual. So when he says, when he created an environment, he created a supernatural spiritual realm that is man's perfect environment. It is called the presence of of the living God. The presence of God, I have another name for it in a moment, but the presence of God is the environment that God created for man. 
And whilst man was in that perfect environment, man was functioning. The old preachers would use the language like, you function if you stay in your unction. If you, if you step out of your unction, God's perfect environment for you, and into the water, you malfunction. And so everything was going great. And, and so I want to be crystal clear. God's perfect environment for you and me is not the natural world and not the earthly world. We were made in the essence of God. So God is spirit. We, our perfect environment is in the presence of the living God. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that in his presence there is fullness of joy. And so it gets exciting now because when Alan kicked off the year and said we're going to lead with worship, it, it, it begins to pick up momentum now because we're going to finish this year on the, the, the back of that book. And so here, here's the thing. If God's, if man's perfect natural inhabitat is the presence of God or the spirit of the living God or the supernatural realm, when, when that was broken, when Adam and Eve fell, there was a malfunction. And now from this moment in time, they're out of the presence of God. You take a fish out of the water, it will live, but not for too many seconds before the malfunction conquers. You take a plant out of the garden, it'll you cut that flower, it'll last a week or two in your house, then the malfunction kicks in. And mankind was functioning until he stepped out of the environment God prepared for him, which was God's presence and God's favor and God's obedience. God was spirit. He was physical, but they walked together in a supernatural he said God spoke to them. It was like hearing as clear as this. And so, so, so God, in essence, is spirit. Now, God's aim from Genesis 3 to Revelation 3, God's aim, God's aim was to bring his people back into his presence. That's his aim. Back into his perfect environment. And when man was in that environment in the presence of God, he functioned unbelievably. Aaron's car has been malfunctioning for at least a month now. When it was in its perfect environment, in other words, when I was driving it, no, I'm just joking. When it was all in its perfection, that thing was functioning. But the moment there was a tiny little malfunction in the fuse box, that thing is functioning no more. And every time you look in Scripture, I think it must have been ten times Abraham built an altar. Why? To attract and get back to the presence of God. When God instructed Solomon, David, and different ones to build an ark, a temple, every single time it was all about bringing mankind back into their perfect environment, his holy presence. 
Now we know that man was unholy and unclean and he couldn't go straight there. And therefore there was rituals and sacrifices. There was seraphim protecting his presence until Christ came. And Christ was the ultimate blood sacrifice. The veil was torn in two so that once again, mankind didn't have to go through a priest, but mankind could be restored to his perfect environment, the ultimate incubator. How many people could honestly say or remember a moment where it seemed like the presence of God was stronger in your life than another moment? Come on, be, be honest. Just, you just felt God was near. You just felt God was trying to say something. There was just, a, there was just a, a, a lovely touch of God. His presence touched down. And you know, we reconnect. God has designed it from Genesis 3 to Revelation 3. What did he say in Revelation 2 when, when it, the letters began getting sent out to the churches? The very first church that was written to on that list is the church at Ephesus. And it says, you know, you're functioning brilliantly in every area except the most important one. You're out of your perfect environment. He puts it this way, you have forgotten your first love. And today is a great day for switching the clocks back, switching the clocks back. And he, the letter is written to get the people of Ephesus to switch the clock back to their perfect environment. Their perfect environment was the presence of God in loving intimacy with the presence of God. So they got caught up with everything else but they're malfunctioning even though they think they're doing well because they're out of the environment. You may marry the most beautiful woman in the world, but if you don't have salvation, you are in malfunction land. God has only designed one way for man to function perfectly under his favor and blessing, and that is through salvation and reconnected to the living God and his daily presence active in your life. How many folk could say amen? Are we all right so far? Only five controversies so far, eh? So we're doing no bad. It was six last week, but there we go. So, so we want to take this through. So if his presence is his incubator, and in the Garden of Eden it worked perfect, malfunction, and now God does everything he can to get people, his people back to that place. And he makes a way for us to reconnect where it was broken. And here's the thing, if you're making notes, we reconnect. Because people, people want to know, how do I reconnect with that? Every religion on the earth is seeking, every religion on the earth is seeking to get God to come to them. Or let me put it another way, they're seeking to get into God. Salvation is the only way to reconnect with God's ultimate incubator, His loving and powerful presence. Now, that's the start. Here's the question. How do you stay connected? How do you stay connected to that presence? How do you stay connected? 
Well, God has made a brilliant, brilliant way because it's not enough just to reconnect. You have to stay connected. When Aaron's dodge, it's called a dodge, Aaron. It's not called a dodge for nothing. That dodgy thing broke down I don't know how many times. All because of one tiny little disconnection. One tiny disconnection that took the mechanics a week to find. Even a motor car works on the importance of constant connection. But God has made a way for his people not only to enter his presence, but to stay connected every single day. And it's three simple things. One is obrigado, thankfulness. Thank you for that one. Second one, I don't have the Portuguese version, but it's praise. Raphael, what's the Portuguese word for praise? What's that? What's he saying? It's oração. All right, okay. <laughs> if I wasn't so corned beef, son, I would have heard that, baby. So, first one, obrigado, thanksgiving. Second one is praise. And the third one is worship. These are three distinct uh, procedures that God has given to his people to enter and stay in his presence every day of their life. You were a little child and your mom said, build the fire. You were that cold. You just threw the coals in and you threw a match in it. And your mom would say, son, has no one trained you to build a fire? You know, God trained his people to build the fires and build altars. Mom would go, here's the paper. You fix it this way. Then there's the kindling sticks. Then there's the coals on the top. You can't just go straight to the coals. But that's what people try to do in churches around the world and believers. They think they can just go straight to the intimacy. No. You've got to get the paper lit first. You've got to get the th enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, that's where the fire starts. You first and foremost begin to enter his presence with thanksgiving. And then the kindle comes along as the praise. Then you begin to pray. I mean, God is amazing. He is awesome. You look up, Alma and I lay in the garden the other day, and uh, there's a hawk. There's a hawk. And the closest I've ever got to a hawk is about 50 meters. And I'm saying, oh, this is wonderful. God's creation, isn't he awesome? And the hawk, when I said that, it came 25 meters to us. And I said, how awesome is God? What is it looking for? Then it came to about five meters from us. And I said, that's enough, God. <laughs> I know the guy. I know who the, the guy's looking for. That's enough of your amazement. And, and, but, but it's just amazing, God's creation all around. And I'm getting excited about the hawk. And Elmer's getting excited about a pregnant robin. That'll be fat. Well, it was either... Either I was pregnant or I'd just come at McDonald's, but this we this we saw was sitting there. And we're just magnificent is our God. If that doesn't stir up praise on a daily basis for us, and I believe that African churches get this, and churches out of South Africa or out of Africa, most don't quite get it, although Brazilians certainly get it. So 
So then we get to the close, worship. And you can enter God's presence or bring God's presence down in your home, and your family, in your difficult situations, and see mountains that you're struggling with melt before you by applying God's principle on how you build an atmosphere for His presence to come. You build a worship set this way, but you build every day an environment for God to come down. And so, thanksgiving, let me say three things quickly. When you thank God, He listens. You get His attention. When the ten lepers got healed, Jesus healed the ten lepers, one of them, He says, only came back to give thanks. That lets you know He's paying attention. And he's looking for thanksgiving from all of them. But only one came. Thanksgiving gets God's attention. Let's applaud God for that. It gets, him, it gets, it gets attention. It gets my attention in the house as well. When my wife thanks me for something, I always go, right, what are you after? That's not the way it goes with God. And so, thanksgiving gets God's attention. Praise brings the presence of God down beside you. Praise brings the presence of God into your home and into your life. The, the, the psalmist put it this way, that God descends on our praises. I believe this is the most misunderstood, misused, powerful, faith-releasing principle in the body of Christ today. The high power of dynamic praise. When you, you know, you can't criticize nobody when you're praising God. You can't gossip about nobody when you're, yeah boy, you could fall off a stage when you're praising God, but you can't, you can't gossip when you're praising God. Because when you're praising God, you're in this environment. You're in His presence. His presence comes down. And nothing can stay in that presence that's unclean, whether it be sin, indignation, unrighteous anger, whether it's gossip. Nothing, nothing can stay in there when you're in the presence of God. So thanksgiving gets His attention. Praise brings His presence down. We've got to build this altar, learn how to build this altar every day. And then thirdly, when you begin to worship, the coals are burning now. God begins to blaze on your behalf. He goes to work on your behalf. He goes to defeat your enemies on your behalf. So what's the first one, guys? In Portuguese, obrigado. Second one. Third one. It's simple. We started this way 40 years ago. It's so simple. But people will go straight to the worship. It's like the guy comes home with the, the, the bunch of roses that he's just bought out of Asda. They're still smelling of diesel and, and a box of chocolates with half price on the tap. And he runs in the back door and he's got them back. Right, give us a kiss, dear. She's like, buzz off. <laughs> buzz off. You can't go straight for the coals. No matter how horrible these flowers smell or beautiful these chocolates. You can't go straight for the coals. You gotta get the paper. Hey, get, get that baby's nappy, nappy changed. You know, f help fix the dishes. Muck in. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get to that place. And so, here's the thing. There's one lady. Man, she's in 
If anybody's in malfunction land in the Bible, it's this lady. If anybody's got, if anybody's got stuff going on in her life, it's this lady. If, if, if anybody's in a worse situation than this lady, you need to let me know because she is in the major frustration incubator. Genesis 29, verse 31, is her, her name is Leah. And it said, it said, you know, God looks down on her. I mean, this, this poor soul, you know, she's in a loveless marriage. A loveless marriage. Ripped off by her dad. It's one thing, many people know what a loveless marriage feels like. But you know, when your dad put you in that loveless marriage and stitched you up, there's a double pain. There's a double male issue. She's buying Doc Martens next week and shaving her head. She, she can't stand men, I would imagine. And uh, here's the thing, guys. She is feeling the most unloved lady on the earth. And God looks down on her. She's in malfunction land. And it says God enabled her to become pregnant. There's a third killer blow. That guy she marries now marries her sister. And he loves her sister, Rachel. He loves her. So she's in three killer blues, guys. It, it, it's it's hell, what you call hell on earth. God looked down and had mercy on her. And it says, Leah became pregnant. Could you just put yourself, put yourself for a moment in a loveless marriage. Your dad's ripped you off. And, and you're with this guy. He don't love you. But you're, you're going through the motions. You're building that fire in the hope that if we have a child, just maybe, just maybe, just maybe. How many people know that she's not the first to think that if we just have a child, that'll fix the marriage? <laughs> it's one of the most common mistakes on the earth. How many people know that a child is beautiful, but don't make your life easier? And no, the rascals we had anyway. But Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named her first son Reuben. A poor soul, she's in victim mode. So each, 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 each name and each moment, it's a sad moment. And you can understand, she's not, she's just like in misery moment. She, she's, she's low, and, and they said she named, she named them Reuben, for she said, because the Lord has seen my misery. So brilliant. The Lord has seen her misery and he comes through. Surely my husband will leave me now. How many times have you done the right thing and you think that'll do the thing and it gets worse? So she, she continues to love this man as if he loves her. And she conceives again and she gives birth to a son. And she says, because the Lord heard that I'm not loved, he gave me another one. I want to encourage you guys here. There's life on the other end of a loveless, dysfunctional family. Let's applaud the Lord Jesus for that. Come on. There's glory days. There's glory days on the other side of that. And so she said, because the Lord heard that I'm not loved, he gave me another one. So she thinks, give me another one. Hey, this will knock his socks off. This will get him going. And she called this one Simeon. And still, just put yourself in a place for a minute. How horrendous. You're now raising this punk's two kids. He don't love you. Again, she conceived and she gave birth to a son. And she said, you know, we show our faith. 
She's still keeping her faith up. She's still hoping I'll get a Winnie's love. You know, how many have made a mistake? And she conceived, and she gave birth to a son, and she says, now my husband will become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. And so she called the third one Levi. All three, she's in, she's in that malfunction, dysfunction, victim zone. But she makes a radical decision with the fourth one. She makes a decision. It's like I've been in this losing land, this dysfunctional land, this defeatist land, this feel sorry for myself long enough. I'm going to switch. I'm going to do a paradigm shift. I'm going to switch my whole mentality. I'm going to make a decision that, that changed her life. It changed her legacy. It changed her descendants for all of history. And it's in verse 35. It says, so she conceived a fourth one, but this is, she's in a different, she's on a game changer now. She's not like, oh, Lord, my, sorry. Oh, Lord, help me. She said, she conceived again, and she gave birth to a son. And she said, this time, I will praise the Lord. What? And she named him Judah. You could actually call the ultimate incubator praise, if you like. Because it's the same thing. And I want to show some scripture why that is. And the word Judah comes from the Hebrew word Yada, it means obrigado. That means that. It means worship with extended hands. We don't do this because we're charismatic loonies. We do this because this is Yada. So Yada or Judah is, it's worship with extended hands and it's praise. And guess what happens? It was like she ignited the litmus paper. She had been out of that environment in victim mode and in defeat mode, and she stepped out that into, back into the ultimate incubator. She stepped back into praise. Praise. Nothing will bring down the presence of God into your life in a supernatural way like praise unto the living God. Now, watch what happens to the fourth son. What happens is that it says that in 1 Chronicles 24, it says, this is David. He says, you know, the God of Israel, he chose me from my whole family to be king over Israel. But he chose Judah the illegitimate from the unloving father, the one who was just like, it was like last stop saloon, last hope for a bit of love. It says, but he chose Judah from my family and from my father's sons, and he was pleased to make me king over Israel. Of all my sons, the Lord has given me many, for he's chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the king of the Lord of Israel. And he says to me, Solomon, your son is the one who will build your house, for I'm chosen him to be my son. 
and he will be, and I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever if he is unswerving and carrying out commands. From this praise child, Judah, came a royal descendancy all the way down through David to Christ. The favor of God that came on Judah was almost like no other boy or baby that ever lived. How good is God to remember him? Let's applaud the living God for that. He's the most in. Your whole destiny, your whole destiny, your whole future will radically change if you decide what your natural habitat is. You'd see the disciples, they would say, I was in the Spirit. The only way to relate to God is through your spirit. It's a spirit-to-spirit connection. And I love it when you go to African churches because they'll spend two hours giving thanks and praise. Why not one hour? Why not 20 minutes? Because they know in many of the churches I've visited, the demonic activity is so strong, the attacks are strong. It can take two hours to break through the spiritual fog and get that breakthrough when the presence of God comes down. We don't just sing loud songs and happy songs because it's taste or anything like that. We begin with songs of thanksgiving. We, then we go into praising and declaring how great God is before we go into worship because this is how God has ordained it in Psalm 100. True repentance. True repentance leads us back to this place. I want to say something. There is no connection on the face of the earth than the day you decide, I need Jesus. You repent of your sins and you invite them into your life. There is a reconnection with your environment, your perfect habitat, the presence of God like no other connection. But if you're facing mountains right now, if it's like the Red Sea's blocked in front of you, I'm going to finish in a few minutes with a passage. It's a mind blower. But I want to encourage you that this world is full of asylum seekers struggling, poor people struggling, prisoners struggling, addicts struggling, marriages struggling malfunctioning. The only way they can begin to function as God intended was to be restored back into His presence through the salvation Jesus Christ has purchased for us. Can we say amen to that? And the exciting thing is, the exciting thing is you might be facing marriage problems I don't know why I'm pointing to you, David York. It's just coincidence. I'm just pointing to anybody, David, honestly. But you might be facing financial problems. David looked at me when I said that. Like, what? Why are you pointing to me? I'm not pointing to you. I don't know what's going on with you, David. You could could be facing resource issues, relational issues, all kinds of issues. 
all kinds of issues. But one thing will change it. If you come back to your natural inhabitant, the presence of God, and take five minutes or more every morning and rebuild that altar, kick off your day, because I'm telling you, the Bible says your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but I found my name is also written in the devil's black book. You don't like me too much. And he come after you like a flood when you're not expecting it. He'll phone you. He'll send you an email. You'll get bad news, cancers, or whatever. He'll come at you like a flood. How do you get through those days? How do you get through? How do you get on top of that, that horrendous phone call you get? You get on top of that by staying in your natural inhabitant, a natural environment, the presence of the living God. And we do that and we get to do that by waking up in the morning and just giving thanks for our wee baby. Thanks for our roof over our head. Thanks for the bread on our table. Thanks for God. Thanks for Jesus. Just flood your soul from head to toe. Count your blessings and count them again and speak them out. I'm telling you, even, even non-Christian secular businessmen are now teaching people that if you think of five things to give thanks for every day and give thanks for them, your life will be radically different. <laughs> There's nothing new under the sun. It all comes from here. And so you get up in the morning, you, you begin to thank God. Oh, how can you thank God in the difficult time? Well, like the friend of ours who's in Zimbabwe a few weeks ago, I mentioned to some of you, and a lady, a little white lady, just been kicked off her farm. She'd given hours to get off. She's kicked off her farm in Zimbabwe. I believe there's only about 150 white farmers left. I'm not getting into politics, what's wrong and right. I'm just saying this little lady and her husband, and, and she's got a couple hours just to grab a few odds and ends, a little photograph, a passport, and just run before she gets killed. And uh, when, when my friend Chris Seatman met her for the weekend to comfort her, he was shocked. She comforted him. Because he said, oh, it's terrible. You've lost all your money. You've lost your animals. You've lost your farm. You've lost your family. You've lost everything. And she said, oh, no, you don't get it. I got a phone call as I was getting kicked off the farm to say I had cancer. But they told me it wasn't the worst, can worst cancer. It was one of the less worst ones. How wonderful is our living God and starts to praise God for the next 20 minutes and freaked him out. Let's applaud the Lord Jesus for that. Come on, guys. There's always something. There's always something. We're going to, you know, you may be at your work and so you can't shout in tongues and do things, you know, praise the living God, but you can hum. And when the cold, cold weather comes to Scotland, <laughs> It don't matter how much you hum, it's so cold, it's all right. But you can hum. You hum your praises to the living God. You could stay in that presence. You could, you know, somebody's nipping your head and, okay, you have to concentrate, you come back to that. But I want to encourage you guys. I want to encourage you. We need miracles for the poor, miracles for the lost, miracles upon miracles upon miracles. And I know of no other way than the presence of the living God that comes down when you give thanks, when you praise, and you worship with all of your heart. Let's applaud the Lord Jesus on that one, guys, and we'll finish this passage. 
I'll finish with this psalm. Here's what happens when you do this. Watch this. When the Israelites escaped from Egypt, and when the family of Jacob left that foreign land, here it comes, the land of Judah became God's sanctuary. God's presence and His praise are the same thing. When you praise God, it says the land of Judah, that's praise, the land of praise became God's sanctuary. When you praise, presence comes down. You're in His sanctuary. And oh, what, what, but what about all the battles and the sickness and the family and the stuff? We're coming to that. What about the mountains and the Red Sea we face? Here it comes. When the Israelites escaped from Egypt, when the family of Jacob left that foreign land, the land of Judah became God's sanctuary, and Israel became his kingdom. The Red Sea, I love it. It's brilliant, eh? I can understand a wee Robin, but it says, the Red Sea saw them coming. <laughs> it saw them coming and ran away. Okay, it's a New Living Translation, but give me a break, guys. The Red Sea saw them coming, and it ran away. The water of the Jordan River, it turned away. The mountains skipped like rams, and the hills like lambs. What's wrong, Red Sea? What made you in a hurry to get out of their way? What happened, Jordan River, that you turned away? Why mountains did you skip like rams and hills like lambs? And then I love it, it says. Begins to explain what happens when the presence of God shows up. It says, tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of God of Jacob. He turned the rock into a pool of water. Yes, a spring of water flowed from the solid rock. Every mountain you face, every Red Sea in your way, every source of disappointment, betrayal, disruption, discouragement, disfavor, dislike, dis every single malfunction, every Red Sea in your way opens up. Every mountain skips like a little lamb. And the Jordan runs away. Everything before you, every obstacle you face, every struggle, everything. We need the pres to take the presence of God to those who need it. We need that. We need to increase that every day. And the only way I know from Scripture is to come with them with clean hands, that clean heart, thank Him, praise Him, and worship Him from morning through till night. You connect through salvation. You stay connected through thanksgiving, praise, and worship. Can we applaud the living God for His Word, His Word, His Word? With every eye closed, this is not an emotional deal, so we're not going to stir up no music and make nothing emotional. This is a supernatural spiritual deal. And I'm going to waste nobody's time or beat about the bush, but if you are sensing, you could do with some of that function. If you're sensing with every eye closed, you've tried your best, you love this, you love that, but something's not quite right. I am either malfunctioning or I'm in malfunction land. 
and you know deep, deep, deep down inside of you, you don't care anymore who's sitting beside you, what anybody thinks, but deep down inside, you know you've got to get reconnected to your Father and be in His presence with every eye closed. If that's you, it needs salvation today and reconnection to the Father. Raise your right hand high. I'm not going to pull you forward or embarrass you. There's one. There's two. Anybody else? There's three. There's four. Anybody else? Anybody else? I believe there's two more, but we'll just hang on a minute. Well, that's a pressure, Jimmy. You bet it's a pressure. Love's a pressure. Life and death's a pressure. And I'll just take another minute. Another little minute. Anybody else? Anybody else? You're doing your best. You don't want... There's five. One more. You don't want to embarrass nobody, but you're at that stage where you know, I want to kick off a whole new life. One more. Anybody else before we wrap up? Okay, guys, you can put your hands down. Everybody in the building, can you join me in this prayer? Lord Jesus Christ, that malfunction nearly killed me. I'm, I'm the one who's gone from your presence. Forgive me for my sins as I forgive everybody who sinned against me. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Cause me to walk in your ways, to walk in your truths. I want to be like Jesus. Yes, I've been in victim land. Yes, I've been malfunctioning. But today I'm making a radical decision. I'm not waiting on no devil knocking my door. I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to give thanks for five things. I'm going to praise the living God like I've never praised before until his presence comes down. Then I'm going to worship. I'm going to love you, God, with all of my being, like I've never loved anybody before. Stir this up in me, in Jesus' name. Amen, and amen, and amen. Now, i got to see the 20s and 30s guys in the boardroom in 10 minutes' time. You want to grab a quick coffee, tea, come and see me, Michael. We're going to have a chat there. And uh, for everybody else, thanks a million for coming. And I'm praying this week is like no other for you guys. God bless you. And have a great, great.